So, have you ever heard of this game called Dungeons and Dragons? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, we turn the game's spotlight on a game that defined an entire hobby and inspired a generation of kids to create games of their own. It's D&D. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. Joining me this week are my co-hosts, Chris Matheson. Thanks for having me again, Jonathan. And Amanda McKnight. Hey. Welcome, Amanda. Hey. So you're uh, you're a loggers person, so I don't actually get to see you that much at the cafe. Yeah, no. But <laughs> I'm uh, doing the beer stuff. <laughs> but just as much as into games, seemingly as, as everybody else, you're a D and D player, right? Yes. Yes. How did you get started in it? Well, my boyfriend's friends played it, and they'd been playing it since they were <clears throat> like kids. So they invited me to sort of tag along and give it a try. Well, it was more of a thing. My girlfriends all wanted to play. We all wanted to play. And they told us we couldn't play. What? They, they Why not? Like, Terrible. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it has something to do with like being uh, a girl, probably. Oh. Um, or something like that, which is their loss, really. <laughs> Way to live up to the stereotype, guys. Yeah. But my oddly enough, my boyfriend didn't drive, my ex-boyfriend. Mm. So I ended up giving him rides to D&D. And because of that, <laughs> they let me play. <laughs> because I was the one driving. So How long ago was that? Uh, that was, I guess, about, uh, three or four years ago mm. now that I was playing with that group. So, um, so that's sort of how, how I got into it was because I, I was able to drive. Were there any favorite moments that you've had in the, in your time playing the game? Uh, probably when I was playing, um, with that party, sort of my original party, uh, I used to play a character who was named Red and she was Dwarf and she carried around like a huge axe and just like hit a bunch of sh- all the time and uh one one time one of the one of the characters that my boyfriend was playing who was a vampire he hit on me and my character's reaction was to punch him and she punched him and bloodied him in one hit so (laughs) that was what our dungeon master said and it was probably the most awesome thing ever very nice yeah it's those moments when we go off the traditional script and the players do what they want to do when D&D really comes alive so uh how about you chris well, I actually don't really play Dungeons & Dragons, and okay. I have played it, but not since I was probably 12, so it's been a number of years now. Was it a case where um, some of your friends were playing it and you sort of joined in? or? Yeah, so uh, growing up I was you know, into science fiction and fantasy, playing board games, video games, um, so trying out Dungeons & Dragons was... Sure, it's part of the whole nerdy package. Part, part of the whole nerdy package. Uh, it never really caught me though mm. um you know tried tried a couple different um stories and it just wasn't really for me so i haven't played it or actually any rpg since do you think it was mostly the uh the game or was it the particular group of players you didn't click with it might have been both mm. i was playing with some you know good good people good friends um i might have been a little too young okay um or it might actually have just been the actual role-playing aspect of it. So you never particularly thought about what it was about the game that wasn't really for you? Not really. Um, I, there were so many other games <laughs> and activities to occupy so my time. So much more fun to be had. That when one thing didn't really work out, I didn't really think too much into it. Well, maybe we can find out a little bit about that uh, sometime during this episode. So let's see. Let's start with a history lesson. 
This, uh, the whole thing began with a group of historical war gamers who played in and around Geneva, Wisconsin in the 60s and 70s. In 1971, they had this game system called Chainmail, which they used for doing war game things with medieval miniatures. And this, historical war games have been going on for ages before that. 1974, original Dungeons and Dragons came out. This is an idea where instead of having a whole army of people, you just got one person. And that person gets more powerful over time. These, these rules, to oversimplify it, they were developed by Dave Arneson and popularized by Gary Gygax. The story's more complicated than that, but never mind. In 1977, Basic and Advanced Dungeons & Dragons became two separate things, and the hobby was still fairly much unified, though, despite we had one simpler and one more complicated set of rules. In 1989, we had Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, which was the game that basically made me not play D&D for about a decade. Then we had 3rd Edition, which brought a whole lot of people, including me, back into it, Fourth edition in uh, in 2007 brought in some design elements from electronic games, and in 2014, just last year, fifth edition came out, and that's sort of made a bit of a splash more recently. Um, which edition are you playing right now? Fifth edition. And uh, have you had experience with others as well? Yeah, uh, played fourth, uh, played a little bit of third. Mm-hmm. Which ones did you like best? Really liked, uh, really liked third. Really liked fourth. Um, fifth is kind of. Not a big fan of that. It's okay. Not great. Um, <clears throat> I just don't like how the abilities and and all of sort of the specific stuff is becoming less specific. So now I feel like the dungeon master has more power mm. to do. I mean, granted, it depends on your dungeon master as to how much power they want to take in the game and how much they want to let be rules. But I just have found that it sort of moved more towards being from your mind and being a creative thing, which just puts a lot on the players personally mm. and there's already enough on you as a player so i don't like that it's become more free form and there's like so much that you can do we'll talk a little bit more about uh loose and tight rules and how those have changed over time and why they can be really difficult for different kinds of players So for the benefit of people in the audience who have no idea what a game of Dungeons & Dragons looks like, what do you actually do in a D&D game? What happens physically at the table? What are we going to see when we look in on you playing D&D? Well, first you have to get snacks. <laughs> That's the always most, the first step. The most important part of D&D. Doritos, <laughs> Mountain Dew, these are the traditional yeah. accoutrements of this yeah. form of nerdery. We always had a pizza break to there we go. play. We, there was one time we played, I think we played for eight hours straight one time. Mm. Uh, and then we were like, we should probably eat something. And then we came back and played for two more hours. Played for <laughs> ten hours. It was ridiculous. That must have been a great session. It was insane. There's so much and like so little happened at once. So who won? Uh, <laughs> we all won. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a trick question. You don't actually... This is what something that kind of trips up a lot of people about D&D. Is it's not like a traditional war game like, or, or, or even a board game like Monopoly or something. Yeah. Where you play until somebody wins and then it's over. Yeah, you're basically playing usually against uh, one sort of big evil foe that is created by your dungeon master in a story that's usually created by your dungeon master, although I have played with groups sometimes where there's a couple dungeon masters and they're alter- they'll alternate between some people. Um, so everybody sort of sits down, usually you get out a character sheet that just is for you to record sort of your hit points, so when you're taking damage... Um, in older editions, you'll record your abilities on there, so you remember what it is that you're allowed to do. Yeah, your character um, sheet is like all the details and stuff, your statistics. It's, it's who you are. Yeah, what, what, what you can do physically in the yeah. game. And everybody's got their own little character. It's like, I've got my dude who can do this, you've got your character who can do that, and together we sort of form a team, and we go out and we fight evil and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the feel of these things tends to be less like a sort of an episodic thing, like a movie, which I guess is the form for a regular board game and more like a TV series mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where when we get to the end of the episode, it's not the end of the story or we're going to come back next week and find out what happens after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, use, I find using the TV series as explanation does a lot to. Yeah. Cause it's definitely not, you're just sort of doing a leg of a quest. Um, mm. Although I have played through entire characters before. Uh, to the point where you get to, to a certain level where that's kind of it. And uh, usually as well, when you get near the end of D&D, because people go, well, what happens when the story's done? Usually you die. That's usually the end of <laughs> most characters. Well, that's... Uh, depending yeah, but, yeah. on sort of what your path is. Uh, I've also known other characters that have become gods at the end, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> I just died, so... I mean, I, I became sort of a, a god after, a demigod after, but... Uh, it's very yeah. much down to the tone of your game, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, uh, based on what I'm hearing here, that the tone of the game you guys are playing was pretty grim, kind of dark. And epic. Very epic. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Game of Thronesy sort of thing, where you know, pe- pe- characters you love die horribly, mm-hmm. and, uh, and massive, epic, sweeping... No one is good, either. No one was good in that, uh, in that round of characters. There was mm-hmm. all of us had something sort of wrong with us, where you were never really sure who to trust in our circle, so... It's not a straight, sort of a good versus evil kind of thing. Yeah, like tend yeah, it's very, very gray area. That seems more interesting to me, personally. So you yeah. were, uh, you were mostly like a good versus evil type of thing when you were a kid? Uh, a little bit more, yeah. You know, you, you're a 12-year-old... When you're 12, you're... what is it? You're good or you're bad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you want to be the, the good hero, or you don't want to be the good hero, but... And yeah. a lot of players, too, they prefer a more direct, straightforward sort of morality. Like in, in the game mm-hmm. that I've been running, it's, it's very much a good versus evil story, mm-hmm. but it's full of shades of gray. Uh, the, the character's favorite villain is somebody who's very much a tragic figure. It's somebody who they would very much like to save, but he's kind of fallen to a dark path. And the characters themselves have done some very morally ambiguous things, some of them. And that's part of the fabric of the story. And uh, the themes of redemption and so on wind up coming up as a result of that. And so that's this really nice sort of tapestry of themes and ideas. But uh, it's like you were saying, that's a lot to put on a player. Mm-hmm. You know, the, most games provide structure. They give you a sense of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. D&D doesn't always do that. I mean, you can say, all right, you're at the door of a dungeon. Do you go in? Sure, why not? <laughs> okay, so there's an orc inside the room, and it comes screaming at you with its axe saying, oh, you get out. Do you fight it? Let's have a conversation with the orc. <laughs> the orc swings its axe at you. So that's, that's the thing. Uh, like, you, you can yeah. banter. You can sure say, ha, you fight like a cow. or what, I don't know. Uh, one time I was, I just, uh, so in the new new edition, I'm playing mm-hmm. a tiefling, which right. is basically a demon lady. Tieflings are actually pretty cool. Tieflings are awesome. They're charming. Um, and she is a tiefling who sort of has this uh, struggled past where she uh, grew up actually in like sort of her own tiefling community that was very just, let's just keep separate and not piss people off. Mm. And then a bunch of humans came and just torched the place. Um, and she lost her parents. So she sort of goes through this thing of like, I know I'm supposed to be evil and I kind of want to be evil, but my parents sort of raised me that I shouldn't be, even though they were just totally brutally murdered. So she has that (laughs) conflict going. And there's one point where we're playing and she, there was a demon that sort of came out, uh, of this like room of this artifact that we found. Everyone's like, we should just get out of here. We should kill the demon. I was the only one in the party that's like, let's just talk to the demon. Like, see what's up. Have a little chat. Yeah. The demon maybe, also maybe. talked to me, too, but he could tell that I wasn't enough of a badass. So <laughs> that was the end of that. It's neat, because uh, there, uh, there are so few board games where you really get the chance to explore these kinds of things. The rules, if you're playing something like uh, Castle Ravenloft, which is a dungeon-crawling board game, where you move yeah. little characters around and you kill monsters and you get experience points, all the tropes of D&D are there. 
but you can't talk to the orc. You know, you can't talk to the demon, try to get a sense of maybe it's like me. Maybe it's sort of trapped in a role where it has to do these evil, horrible things, but it would like a chance to have more options in its life. That's not something you can do mm-hmm. in, in a traditional tabletop board game. But in D&D, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And that can be really, really intimidating for a lot of players. Well, because you have to kind of stay in your character all the time. Sure. So I think that's what people feel a little overwhelmed about is how do I do that? And how do I do it without feeling ridiculous? For Uh, sure. The current party I'm playing with now, we are always encouraged to talk sort of in in a little bit of a different voice in a way that we wouldn't normally speak. So we can tell when it's you talking and when it's your character talking. Yeah, and so that it can foster the story. And our our dungeon master, if if we go into a village or something and there's a few different places set up for us to go visit, he will always do a sort of a different character voice depending on who we're talking to in the town. So it's easier to keep... Yeah, that's really important, too. And it also keeps you in the game a sure. lot more. Uh, You're an actor as well, right? Yeah. Are, your, uh, are the fellow players in your game also creatives? No. Okay. They're all scientists and mathematicians and nothing to do with me. Hmm. But do, <laughs> no. they, do, do they take to the, uh, the more creative aspects of the game? They do. Some or of do them take to... to it in a really silly way, too. There's some <laughs> people that are just always ridiculous when we play, and that's become their character. It's just, like, kind of dumb. Does that, kind of hilarious. Does that add to it or do you, does it detract from it? Depends on who you're playing with. Uh, mm. There are times when we play, and it depends on what we're talking about, there are times when we play and we're like, oh my gosh, Matt, just could you for a second <laughs> stop? Uh, but obviously sometimes it just adds a lightness to the story, which is kind of nice because uh, Dungeons & Dragons usually isn't very light. So Yeah, there's, there's a lot of killing going on. And sometimes so. you find weird things when people act strange in that game. Hmm. some things you wouldn't notice and then someone's doing something ridiculous and like falls through a hole and you're like, oh, we're supposed to go this way. Great. Chris, is the challenge of sort of living up to that, of, of coming up with, uh, with improvisational ideas for, okay, what would my character do? What's my motivation in this scene? Is that, is that part of a, is that a barrier for you in getting into this sort of thing? I think it is actually. Hmm. Um, I'm actually midway through a Descent second edition campaign right now. It's a dungeon crawling board game like what we were talking about before. Yes. Um, where the, role-playing aspect is negligible. Yeah. It's almost non-existent. Um, and I find that a lot easier to get into. Um, it does have a lot of the things you're going to be doing in Dungeons & Dragons, um, but you're not role-playing stuff. And I, I find that easier personally for myself. That being said, I'm older now. I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm more confident. Maybe trying out a uh, RPG again is in my near future. That confidence is so important. And having a group of people... Yeah. who you know aren't going to judge you if you speak in a funny voice to your character. That, that feeling like you have the right to fail, the right to make silly mistakes, to do dangerous things, which are going to make for a great story, um, that can be really hard to get across. But if you can, it's, I got to tell you, it's, it can be quite magical. The stories that me and my friends have told in our D&D game are things that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. So supposing, for example... You're a person listening to the Snakecast, and you hear about this, and you think, hmm, how would I get my friends to try playing D&D? What would, it, what, what would, it, what would you suggest that people try to do? Usually I suggest uh, just talking to people about it is great, because a lot of people don't really know what it is. Um, and it becomes this thing of, I play D&D, and a lot of my friends look at me like, wait, so do you LARP? What do you do? Uh, LARP is live action role playing. Yeah, people actually get dressed up and run know. around in fields yeah. with 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 uh, bouncy yeah. swords. To which I say no, but if someone asked me really nicely, I'd probably do it. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But usually when, once I explain that I play the game and then people get over the fact that I'm a girl and I play Dungeons and Dragons, Mm -hmm. uh, it becomes, well, what is Dungeons and Dragons anyways? Like you're rolling dice and killing stuff, right? Sort of. It's, it's kind of like, I always tell people, it's kind of like telling a story, um, but you've got rules. It's like, it's like you're a kid and it's like, Hey, let's pretend, but you have rules. That's it. So it's, it's let's pretend for adults. It works really well because it's necessary because when you're playing, you know, cops and robbers or something, inevitably somebody's going to go bang, shot you, and they're going to say, no, you missed me. And those rules make it so that you actually know whether they hit or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we can sort of agree how to move forward. And uh, if, if you don't, if you're not necessarily into elves and orcs and things, there are plenty of others. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of primetime adventures from dog-eared designs. This is one where you make up a TV series. It could be a cop show or it could be a soap opera or it could be, you know, anything you want. And it's got rules for it's, – it's, it's much more freeform, so it might not be quite as structured as uh, the two of you would like. But mm-hmm. it helps a lot because it tells you each episode, okay, this character is in the spotlight this episode. This person is more on the sidelines. They're in the B-plot. And each episode you sort of rotate through. So each person's got their own sort of character arc that goes through a season. And that can sort of help a lot, especially if you go with a genre of TV show that everybody there likes. And there are also really weird, complicated things like Dog Eat Dog, which is an exploration of colonialism. And it's about building empathy and understanding for people who are oppressed, which is crazy. Um, but What about science fiction RPGs? Oh, there's a ton of that stuff. If you, want to, if you want to play a science fiction game, I'd recommend starting with Fate or Fate Accelerated. The Fate system is really good because it's really flexible and really simple. Mm-hmm. You can get started quickly. You can play in any genre you want. You can go with an epic space opera type of thing, or you can go with more of a soft sci-fi Star Trek type of thing, or you can go with a hard science fiction, more Larry Niven type stuff. Whatever milieu you want to play in, the system will adapt to that. And it's all about taking risks and deciding, okay, how much am I willing to risk to get this thing done? And part of the thing in that system is that when you create your character, there has to be something about them that always gets them into trouble. Ah. This is something that gets me into trouble. And the, the, uh, the game master can always use that to sort of draw you into stories and make it so that you'll always be involved in what's going on. Uh, but if I can give any advice to people about this, the first thing you have to do is find a good group. Find people who are on the same page with you. If you want something that's mostly going to be about the tactical challenge of defeating monsters and overcoming obstacles, get a group who's into that. If it's mostly going to be about drama and character and storytelling, you're going to want to use a more freeform system and you're going to want to have players who are okay with that. But if you can find a good group, there's really nothing else quite like it. It's, 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 it's it's, It's epic, wonderful stories where you and your friends are the protagonists. You'll never find this stuff at Snakes and Lattes because the environment is completely wrong for it. All the noise, uh, the fact you have to keep coming back and playing it again. But you can. You know, find... we did have someone come and play Dungeons and Dragons twice. We've had. It's at true. The we actually had a couple of people show up playing Pathfinder, another sort of yeah, D&D I've, stuff. I've seen there. it a few times. I've seen it a a few weird times. place to play these things, though. I suppose <laughs> if you need, if, if your adventure is taking place in a uh, in a bar or cafe, though, yeah, the, that that can provide you with the background noise. All right, that wraps it up for this week. If there's a game you'd like to see in the game spotlight, tweet it to us at SnakesCast. There's going to be a lot of games going to the spotlight this season, which means there's a good chance we'll actually do an episode about the game you request. Chris, Amanda, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Talk to you later. <laughs> SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. See you next week. Game on. Game on.